This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's Love You Hard author Abby Maslin. Her husband sustained a serious traumatic injury eight years ago, and Abby wrote Love You Hard uh, about the journey of finding love again after something like that happens to the person that you love. She's so inspiring. It will give us all a little bit of perspective during this really hard time where we're all feeling like it's so hard. Wait till you hear what Abby has been through. And Squats and Margaritas is brought to you by my favorite water, Flow Alkaline Spring Water. Brand new flavors of their collagen water just dropped. Zero sugar, zero calories. Drink it every day. And you can check them out at flowhydration.com and use Squats and Margaritas 20 to get 20% off. Here is my episode with Abby Maslin. Your story makes me want to put everything into perspective. Listen. And I feel like I have to say this. We met briefly at Fox 5 on Good Day DC. You were on. So I was in the green room. I was next. So I watched your segment and I knew about your story. But then it was like, we met for like two seconds and I gave you my book like a jackass. Like, why? Yeah. I, I think back, like, you didn't ask for it. I was just like, hey. <laughs> I'm so glad you did. Do you know, I, I've done that so many times and every time I feel incredibly awkward, but I, I need you to have this. I just need you to have this. I'm so glad you did. I didn't feel awkward at all. I was just like, hey, and it just came out. So I like had all these copies. And then afterwards I was like, she didn't ask for my book. Like, why did I do <laughs> Great. That makes you me never better. overthink these things. We Okay. No. It was just, I was, it was in distribution. I was just giving them out, but we didn't really get to talk and chat. We just stayed in touch through Instagram and I made a little teaser for today, but I didn't tell the whole story because I wanted you to do that. So we'll start with your story. Um, 2012. Yeah. Um, so you're a newlywed, you have a two year old son and yeah. you're, yeah, your husband went to a Nats game. He went and then what happened? Game. This was in August 2012, um, and he didn't come home that night. He was out with friends. You know, we were still new parents, and my husband is the kind of guy, he's just uber responsible. So he had not had a guy's night, like, the whole time our son was alive. I was, like, pushing him out the door that night. Like, you, you need to go. Um, and he was resisting. So he went to the Nats game. He was walking home. He was stopped by three young men who robbed him, and they hit him over the head with a baseball bat. Um, and he went door to door trying to get some help afterward, oh um, but he passed out on somebody's doorstep, and he was there for eight hours. Um, so the next oh morning, God. I woke up, and he wasn't there, and I thought, oh, my gosh, he drank too much. He slept at his friend's house. I don't know what happened, but I can't get a hold of him. Um, and I'm kind of like starting to panic and I'm walking our son and I'm walking the dog through the neighborhood and I'm literally blocks from where he is lying on somebody's stoop. Um, Did you find so, him? No, no. I could have though. Like, Oh my God. I don't know. Do you have a dog? Mm -mm. Okay. Our dog, he's, he's not good for much. He like pretty much just sleeps all day, but <laughs> that day <laughs> he knew he, he knew. He got, he got up multiple times in the night and then he tried to drag me in that direction. And I was <sighs> like, we're not doing that. We're not walking that way. So he knew, but anyway, I mean, that's just a long beginning to what turned out to be a very long story. So he was found by, um, just a, a wonderful neighbor who, um, realized that he wasn't drunk and passed out, that he was at that point, uh, seizing 
and oh, uh, called 911 and he got to the hospital at just in time. Because um, at that point, you know, the bleeding in his brain was so extensive that it almost reached his brainstem. So he was almost gone at that point. Um, he was so fortunate. There was an amazing team of doctors who just happened to be at the hospital that morning. Um, and then he underwent multiple brain surgeries. But it was, I mean, those first few weeks were absolutely out of body insane. I mean, you just can't even process that this person that you were just talking to on the phone, like that, you know, you were sleeping beside the night before, um, isn't there. Like, yeah. and he might not ever be coming back because I knew nothing about brain injury. I mean, I had, I don't even think I'd heard the term at that point. Yeah. Um, so when these doctors were like, if he lives, you know, it's, it's likely that, you know, he's not gonna remember you. He may not be able to talk or walk um, ever again. Um, you know, you just can't even like wrap your mind around what that could mean. You're no. just so, because you're just in denial. <laughs> you know, you're just, yeah. like, you just want your person to live and that's all that matters. Um, but we ended up in a multi-year rehabilitation and recovery. Um, and now it's been eight years, which is hard to believe. Um, so many things like and so many moms so i'm sure like your hormones and like you were still used to just being a mom and then like this is on your plate not knowing what could happen and i think about all the times that my husband leaves the house and i don't even get up it's just like okay you just you, they leave they're going to come back you just assume they always come back and how precious life is and it just makes you I, it's it's stunning to me. Like I can't even imagine. And don't you like you're like walking distances in that stadium, weren't like so it was like it wasn't even like he was gonna go in a car. So you're just like, all right. And then right. you think like, what if you were fighting or something? It makes you just like reevaluate <laughs> everything about your life. And every time the last, every time you see a person, could be the last. As morbid as that sounds, but I'm sure your life has a whole new perspective now. I, I walk on the tightrope of like morbid and inspired all the time because they're yeah. actually not that far apart. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think everybody thinks this can't happen to you. And I certainly did. Even as I was sitting on my stoop with a policeman and I'm at that point, like this, this cannot be right. Whatever has happened, you know, this is serious. Like this is more serious than I can probably wrap my mind around. But even then, I'm like, no, this doesn't happen in real life. Like this, you're just a normal person. <laughs> like, no, these things don't happen to people. Yes. Like, what everyone thinks about their own life. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. Like you're way too boring for this kind of, you know. <laughs> right. Drama. You see this but, on the news. It doesn't happen right. to you. Right. You are not a person on the news. And then all of a sudden you are. Right. Yeah. And then like you're on the news continuously and you can't even process what's happened to you. And all of a sudden it's like you don't have control of the narrative of your life anymore. You know, all of a sudden you're somebody's tragic story that they're yeah. reading about, you know, and that's one of the reasons that I wrote the book is because um, we had a terrible thing happen to us and we have walked a really difficult path, but we're not tragic and <laughs> we're full of light and we're full of love and most people who have been through tragedy are and it's just really time to you know give people control back of their stories um yeah. because these stories they mean something because you learn so much along the way it's like you were saying like you learn that when that person walks out the door to go to the grocery store or run an errand like you're gonna pause for a moment for the rest of your life you're gonna pause and you're just going to pray 
And then you're going to be so grateful when they come back every single time. You will never take it for granted ever again. Right. So So, you heard is her Bible. I don't know. Can you see the comments? Um, oh, um, I know. That's so sweet. I, I'm thinking too, like at what point did you figure out what happened to him? Like, when did you find out? Like, so you just find out your husband is in brain surgery and he was found by someone on their stoop. When did you figure out what had happened to your husband? It took almost six weeks. Wow. Uh, it took a really long time. Yeah. I was so unconcerned. I, that's the honest truth. I was so unconcerned right. what happened. I was just there at the hospital every single day, sitting at his bedside. I was trying to like, I was getting a whole education in neurology um, and trying to make sure that somebody was taking care of my son and, and feeding him and <laughs> all of that. So yeah. Yeah, at some point, you know, I just, I wasn't thinking so much about how it happened. I knew that I would need to process that later because I knew like this being not an accident, this being an intentional act would, you know, it's another layer of the trauma that, that yes. I would have to process. Yes. Um, but it took six weeks to figure out who was responsible. And, and even after that, I, you know, it, I just didn't want to be any part of that. There was like my husband and my family to take care of. And, and then there was like a whole criminal court element to this and while i was very grateful for everybody working on that end i was very happy to let them do their work (laughs) and leave it i just didn't you know i just didn't want to be part of that Um, i wondered like if resentment came into it too because it's like you have all these emotions like the people that did that to your husband like altered your entire life your entire family like and you just you've moved past it like for anybody that's dealing with like resentment and not being able to like let go of something like can you speak on that how you did that yeah, you want to know what's really funny, I think, is like my anger and my resentment came through at the most random moments. It was <laughs> like when? directed to, to the young oh. men who were responsible so much. It was directed to the Bank of America, you know, teller who wouldn't let me deposit a check because my name wasn't on that account or the Social Security person who yeah. also would say something like, well, let me talk to your husband. And I'd be like, well, he's in a coma. So that's, you know, and we're 30. So we didn't take care of all this paperwork. <laughs> we yeah, were, that's another we thing. Right, because you don't think it will happen. Right. <laughs> you don't. So I would I would have those small moments and I would just lose it. I would totally lose it because I'd be like, this is one thing I should not have to do. <laughs> yes. Right? And yeah. people think about that when they know like they're, they're handling things for you. They're not thinking, they're thinking about like the X's and O's and not what you've been through. You, you quit your job to like care for him. Like can you talk about how that went? Yeah, yeah. So this was really weird. So I'm a third grade teacher and I mm-hmm. was teaching fourth grade at that point. And um, it was two days before school started. So that oh night he was at the baseball game, I'm like, working on my roster and I'm making my lessons. And that morning, as soon as I got to the hospital, I was like, I'm not going to school this year. Like I, firstly, I, I've never abandoned my students halfway through the year, any point. I I never even took a maternity leave. I was like, I'm not going to do that to them. But also I don't think that this is going to be quick. I don't think that, you know, this is going to be like a broken arm and then, and then you, you know, you're better. Um, So I had, I took a leave of absence immediately. Um, and then of course, so did, so did my husband TC. He was, I, cause at that point it was like, I don't think you're ever going to work again. Um, which thankfully turned out not to be true, but you're yeah. just making so many decisions like in a row without any 
time to process everything behind it. And you're 30 and you have a two-year-old and you're about to start school in two days. Like I didn't even know all those factors and I still didn't know how you were doing it. I did, he had to relearn everything, right? To talk, to walk. I saw like some of your videos of learning his letters. I, yeah. I hate to even add, like, it had to be frustrating, but like, it, what a hard time. And I know that that's what the book's premise was, like getting through that time and like learning to love him again. And when he's not, it's almost like he's not there. Right. I mean, like, because I, this is what people probably don't know about traumatic brain injury is that like the, the brain requires so much energy to heal itself. There is no capacity for anything else. You know, uh -huh. he would sleep. What, he was in the hospital for 84 days, which felt like a lifetime. But for others who have been through this, it's, it's actually not that long. Um, but he came home and he would sleep 15 to 16 hours a day. Um, because his brain just needed that. So there's nothing left over for, for your family. There's nothing left over for anybody else. And you can't be mad about it because that's, you know, your, that's your wish is that this brain will recover and it, he'll come back to you. So you kind of just have to sit in this place that I, I call the gray space because this person's not fully alive. They're not dead. And they have brought everybody who loves them into this gray space with them. And that's where you just have to exist. And it is so hard because you are still yourself. Like you are still the vibrant, you know, yes. wanting flawed human that you were before. And for me, I just wanted my best friend. I just wanted the love of my life back and to have him be sitting right in front of me and not be able to truly access him. I mean, there is no greater sense of loneliness that I've ever experienced in life. Not imagine. So there's a time like he didn't know who you were. You know, he always knew who I was. That's kind of an interesting thing. He was really lucky not to have really any amnesia, although like certain random memories <laughs> disappeared for him, but he couldn't communicate with language. So that was the, that was the biggest issue. He couldn't walk um, and he had um, only use of half of his body. So that those physical issues were issues, but they weren't nearly as catastrophic for our family as the inability to speak. So he couldn't say my name. Like he knew who I was, but he couldn't say my name. He couldn't ask questions. He couldn't say his name. Um, you know, months later, we would be on these phone calls with the Bank of America people, and I would be writing the answers on a piece of paper. But oh. part of part of what his speech disability um, does, and he has this speech disability called aphasia, so it, it impacts your receptive language, your ability to understand what people are saying to you, but it also impacts uh, your expressive language, which you're able to say. So he could look at this paper and he could read it, but he like couldn't say those words. He couldn't. Oh. Yeah. It's so frustrating, right? Like, cause yes. I'm so lonely, but he's so lonely. He's trapped in his brain. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. so it took, it took about a year for him to have significant like speech abilities again. Um, it was a long year. At what point did you decide that you were going to write the book? About a year in. Um, okay. and, and, totally by accident, right? Like I love to write. I had been planning different books that I was going to write, but I also kind of need a kick in the butt. Sometimes I I'm like, yeah, yeah. I need a little accountability in life. Um, here you so, go. <laughs> you're a perfect match for me. Aaron. <laughs>
So I wrote this essay. Well, actually, I started writing a blog first, and um, and it kind of like went viral, or the 2012 version of going viral, which yeah. was, like, <laughs> right. thousands of strangers read it, and I was like, "Who's reading my blog of just my all my emotions on the internet?" Yeah. Um, and so then I wrote an essay called "Love You Hard," and it was all about. Um, losing love and, and trying to live in that loss and it won a contest which led me to a literary agent and then I was like I guess I'm writing a book like this is yeah really that's amazing yeah it was so great it was such a blessing but you know again I was still just processing what had happened like yeah. there's so many layers it's it, it's eight years in and I'm still like wow that was right. weird <laughs> like how did yeah. that happen you are so strong like and now you have a second child so you're a mom of two you teach third grade like you I, I just I, I don't understand like I'm, I'm thinking about two I kind of wanted to segue into like the pandemic it's you're yeah. probably like what else <laughs> what else can you hit me with right but you made me like just realize what I like I have been I'm stay-at-home mom I, I know work from home but I was like virtual learning. Oh my God, my five-year-old, like we can't do this. And then I saw something like a, a post that you did. I wasn't thinking about, I was thinking about me and like how hard it is for us and how, old it, how hard it is for my five-year-old. But the teachers had it way harder. And you were like, maybe say something to your teacher. Like it'll ha like make all the difference in the world. And I was like, I didn't even, you put it all into perspective it, as you do those things. It's just hard to it, live on both sides of that equation right now. It's hard yeah. to be a parent and, and then be on the other side. And I think what's hard is we're all thinking about ourselves right now. Like, we're all thinking about ourselves. And so there's nobody left to think about you. <laughs> and that's, it's kind of making us all our most miserable, like, <laughs> versions of ourselves <laughs> myself included. I'm the worst right now, you know, like I, and I get that. I'm like, oh, I wouldn't hang out with you <laughs> if I had a choice. No. Um, but yeah, it's, it is hard. It's hard because as a teacher, you can't do anything to fix this. You know, it's like being a parent with a kid who's struggling with something, right? And you're like watching it and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to do everything I can, but everything I can is not going to fix this. Yeah. And, and it's so, so hard to watch families be struggling and then to be struggling yourself with your own family. Um, and to know that like we're all just we're all dealing with the same thing I dealt with in, in 2012, which is a, just an incredible layer of uncertainty surfacing everything in our lives. Right. And I just remember like some of the things I thought about right after TC's injury were like, are we ever going to go on a vacation again? Like, I, I realize that's not the most important thing right now, but like are no. we, we're going to be able to do anything again. And it took years before we could ever plan anything in the future. Years. Because something would always happen, another medical thing. It was just like, we had so many things that got canceled. I can't even tell you. I just stopped planning after a while. It was so disappointing. But that's where we are now. We're just living yeah. in a place of like, we don't know what we're walking into. And this is really scary. Uh, yeah. And it's taking a lot out of everybody. And we love our that's kids, but we're so over our kids right now. I mean... <laughs> And our husbands. <laughs> like, I saw a meme that was like, I love, honey, I love having like breakfast and dinner with you, just not lunch. Like, it's too much. <laughs> I'm not used to all three. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is, um, I am now back in the classroom. So I'm now teaching in person, but my children are still home. So I do not have lunch with the family anymore. But my son today was like, it's really good to see you today, mom, because today was, you know, a virtual snow day. 
I'm like, you see me all the time. He's like, not for lunch anymore. Not for lunch. <laughs> oh, that's cute. See, that's the thing. Like, I have a two and a half year old and a five year old. And so they, like my two and a half year old needs me. Like he's in pull-ups, like he needs me and he wants to be around me. And it's like, that's why I don't get anything done. And like, that's the source of my frustration. But then at the end of the day, like I want to cry. And I'm like, he's not going to always want to be around me. And this is the time that he does. And I'm not taking advantage of it. And I'm not being present because I'm stressed out that I'm working from home. And this is like why I wanted you during this time. And who knows how much longer we have in this pandemic, but the people that are just like, my life sucks. This is the worst. You have been through such a more traumatic thing and came out of it and are positive. And to the person that is just like, can't do this anymore, this pandemic life. Like, I just wanted you to come on and talk to that person because You've been through it and it's been how, how many years? Eight years? It's been eight years, but two things. Okay. Two things. One, everybody has been doing this for almost a year. So look in the rear view window mirror yeah. and, and give yourself some credit because you've been doing this for almost 365 days. That's, that's an accomplishment. So for people who feel like they can't do it a moment more, you can, you've been yep. doing it. But two, I've been through an awful nightmare of a life chapter, and this still sucks, you know? So it's just interesting. Like, that perspective of what matters in life, and, you know, I'm just so grateful to be here. I carry it every day, but it doesn't diminish the struggles, you know, right. that I have in the present. And this, is, this has been the second biggest struggle, for sure. It's just this is a really hard chapter. So I think we should not put so much on ourselves like you are trying to get stuff done with a two and a half year old like that's amazing if you can do that for a year <laughs> that's for one amazing. year right. but like we are all putting so much on ourselves we're making it a thousand times worse than it has to be yep it's crazy yeah you put mom guilt on top of that like my husband's like why don't you get a nanny you're like well all these other moms are don't have a nanny and they're doing it so i gotta do it and you right. it's just it's the pressure that you put on yourself anyway but like times a hundred because everybody's like in like stuck in the house and like you said you can't travel it's a new normal we're trying to get used to with virtual learning and it's a lot and it does it sucks and sometimes like just if it helps somebody just be on here and listen to us say like another mom be like this is hard and not feel alone like that's what i wanted this podcast to be like it's hard and you just have to say it and not make everything look perfect and be listen. authentic we need a societal shift too, because when this pandemic started in March, there was this sense of like, we're going to take a little time out, right? Like we're going to go inward. We're going to spend time in nature. We're going to do all these things. And then it was like, time's up. We're going back to life and we're going to mimic every expectation that we had pre pandemic, but while we're in a pandemic. So as a teacher, I'm like making families lives miserable sometimes by the things that I have to ask of them that I don't want to ask of them. Yeah, it's not it's your fault. Also, it came down on you. It's not your fault. <laughs> it's also ridiculous, though. It's like, what? why are we doing this? We are missing. This is what I'm scared of, Aaron. This is what I'm scared of. I'm scared we're missing the lessons. You know, <laughs> we're not meant to come out of this to be the same. Just like I wasn't meant to come out of that life chapter and be the same person. I am so different. Yeah. We are meant to be changed by it, but we have to let it change us. And we have to surrender to it and we're still fighting it so hard. It's so hard to surrender to it because you have like obligation, like work obligations. And I am like, the silver lining to this would be that I get to be at home with my two year old and spend so much time with him while he is still like, so like learning things and loving me and wanting to be with me. And I'm missing it. I know I am. 
And I only think of it at night as I go to bed. I was like, I'm going to be more present. I like pray for presence every night. And then I wake up and it's just like, it just, we're stuck in the house and I, I can't follow through. <laughs> like I pray for it mm -hmm. and then I can't. And then I feel like a terrible mom. Like, but then it's like when I spend a day with my kids, I feel like, you know, all the things that are in my head, like stuff that I didn't do like work-wise, like I can't be present and it should give us the gift of presence. And I, I want to be that way, but I am struggling. Right, and then that. we feel worse because we're like, well, clearly I'm not trying hard enough. Yep. Yes. <laughs> right? It's like, but I saw something you said about, it takes like the same amount of energy to give grace, give yourself some grace than to like complain about things. Like you're using all your energy being like, this sucks. Like. It takes the same amount of energy to like give yourself grace, give someone else grace. And that's such a, I just need, I need it to be, I need like post-its <laughs> to remind just, myself. That's so funny. I did it yesterday. I put up the post-its yesterday in my bathroom on the mirror. I was like, you are starting to say things, just repetitive complaints about things. <laughs> if you think you're going to change your situation or change your attitude by saying the same things all day, every day, no, that is not going to happen. So I, I just had to post it for myself because I lose sight of it so quickly. Like you were saying, like I have it in my brain. I go yeah. to bed, I wake up, I face the same nonsense. <laughs> and then I'm yes. like, wait, what was my intention today? I can't yes, remember. it's being intentional. That's what you're supposed to do. You're yeah. supposed to write it down and manifest it. And I just feel like there's no time. <laughs> there's, no there's no time. time. Like it's 930. My kids are still awake. And then and this is a whole, like, then you get into the thing where it's like, can you go to bed? early and get more sleep because you're so tired or do you take an hour because it's the only hour that you had to yourself all day and watch Netflix and have a glass of wine and then complain all day the next day because you're tired or is it worth it because you got that time like that's my struggle every day too I'm like I'm so tired I could go to bed right now but then it's like I'm back on and it's Groundhog Day so yeah. do you stay up or do you it's just like mom I know. Struggles. I, you know, I, I've experienced, I've been able to interrupt the cycle. If I like focus on, I'm going to interrupt this. Like I see what's happening. I see what's happening every night by eight o'clock. I'm going to do the Netflix thing. I'm going to do the wine thing. I'm going to get up at five and beat myself up for all the things I didn't accomplish before I went to bed. I'll yep. make it so I don't have any time to do yoga or work out. Uh, no time to read or write. Like I'm going to intentionally or unintentionally rather like create this <laughs> pattern. And I've been able to break it at points. And what I've noticed is like there'll be some other catastrophe that then puts me back into the cycle and so then i have to break it again <laughs> and i think it's that's like catching it as it's right. happening you you like right bring it back in gonna, reel it back <laughs> right i think okay. we're just gonna have to keep breaking it every time you know like this is it's been a hard time to live in our area what you know what happened in january at the capitol a few blocks from my house yeah you're right I, down there yeah i was in a pretty good place mentally um around the holidays i was like that was lovely i had enjoyed all this time with my family mm -hmm. and then that was like it was just mentally it was awful it was mm -hmm. the worst conversation i've ever had with my students and i've been through a lot of hard things with with students but it was awful. And then it was, again, I was like back in the pattern again of just every day is such a struggle. Um, and so it's just that awareness of like, okay, I got to break it again. I got to keep breaking it. It's not, it's not going to get easier necessarily right away, but it will, and it will be so gradual. We won't even notice, you know, I yeah. think we're going to get to that point in a few months where we're like starting to feel a little different. Right. I hope so. How, um, how old are your kids? How old are they? Uh-huh. Yeah, they're 10 and 4. Okay, so how do you 
the 10 year old, how do you, did they have questions about like, what's that like you're like on January 6th, like, does he ask about that? Does yeah. he ask about the pandemic? Does he ask like, how do you, because mine are so young, I haven't had to broach those topics with them yet, but Ten how do you hard. know that? 10's like the new 30. It's weird. It's too much. I can't imagine. Um, I can tell you that the Capitol insurrection was really um, triggered a post-traumatic response in me um, yeah. because I have only learned to trust my surroundings and my neighborhood again over many years of practice. Um, yeah. And then that felt very violating. Um, and so my instinct was like, freak out, get in the car, drive to my mom's house, which freaked out the 10-year-old. Um, he yeah. could hear the sirens. He could hear all the things happening, but my reaction did not help. <laughs> so that was a yeah. good. That was a good moment of learning for me. That like, okay, you've got to be aware of your own reactions to these things. You have a lot of you know trauma that you just need to to be aware of when these things happen. Um, so it was hard to explain. I mean, hard and easy because he saw it, so he just he just knew. Um, but I think it also made him feel more insecure than he already did, which he's oh. having a hard year already. So he's he's tough. He's been through some hard things. And he's also, you know, our, our second child was born after TC's injury. And she yeah. could be less concerned about it. She's also four. She's living her best life. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he's gotten to the point where he's, like, starting to ask some big questions about that. And it, and it really has shaped who he's become. Um, and so he's, like, just in that year of trying to process, you know, dad and having a disabled parent and, and our family's, you know, tragedy. Um, and then he's looking at the world and he's like, ooh, this place isn't feeling so <laughs> secure and safe either, right? Yeah. Um, it's tough. How, how much does he know about what happened to his dad? He knows everything. everything. He knows everything because we were really intentional about not making it a family secret. Um, we also just didn't want to stigmatize disability in any way. And so we wanted to be pretty upfront about that. Um, yeah. He has not read my book and I have no wish for him to read it. <laughs> at the no. Time. Soon. Maybe when he's actually 30. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> God, I can't even imagine, like, my kids read, like, I have, my oldest is five. So, like, how much more do you have to worry about? Right. I don't want my daughter to read my book. Okay. Right. I was like, here's my diary, child. And then what, does your daughter know anything? She knows. About she still just wants what she wants, and then she's not really concerned. You know, her, like, anything that we're going through is maybe just an inconvenience for her. It just holds up the process of her getting what she wants right now. She's four. Yeah, she's four. <laughs> is obsessed with her dad. And, you know, it's also just interesting. My children are so far apart in age. It's just interesting, too, to watch, you know, that relationship form. And she's his work wife right now because he's managing the distance learning piece of this. So they sit side by side every day at the table and he's like on his work calls and she's on her teacher calls. And um, I like come down and it's the cutest thing ever. And he's helping her with her numbers and letters. And I'm like, how on earth am I so lucky? Right? Like it kind of comes full circle in a way, right? Like yes. how am I so lucky that even in this moment where I'm complaining, I'm so unlikable to myself and on all my events right now, um, that I can walk down the stairs and even take in this scene. It, it blows me away. Like you he, can give yourself grace and not exactly. say unlikable. <laughs> He's alive. Give your own self grace. I He's know. alive. I, he has a job. He has. He has given me another child that we love and dearly, and and he is helping her grow right now in this really challenging moment of not being at school. 
I don't know how he's doing it, but. Did he ever, I can't even imagine having something like that happen and then, and it was in your neighborhood, like just trusting to be able to go outside in your neighborhood again or not, and having like PTSD, like I wouldn't wanna, I mean, what, how does he process that? Or he just, I mean, just have to yeah. move on and live your life. We, well, we and really, don't let him take anything else. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. I mean, we were yeah. just like, this took enough from us. We're not giving it yeah. anymore. We're not giving it our community. We're not giving it our neighborhood that we love. We walked, you know, the sites where this happened very frequently. We live just a few blocks from there. Um, and that's helped kind of make it okay. Um, there, every once in a while, I, my husband and my kids are like playing in the park where it happened. And I'm like, probably this is this is interesting but you know beyond that it's kind of like we, we've reclaimed it and that feels like a yeah. victory yeah. yeah so it's just it's given you the you can be grateful that he healed now you have presence in your life and i don't know like during i think you called it a stress epidemic it's an we're in a pandemic a stress epidemic you have the tools because of what you've been through to help hopefully anybody that's listening there was a report today about uh, life expense expectancy. I can't say the word life expectancy. How it has diminished like the greatest amount since World War II this year. That's really? what this has done to us as a society, and that for me was the reminder to be the interrupter again because I was like, listen, nothing is more valuable than your health. They're obvious, yes. right? Like That's, we take it yes. for granted, but but we cannot let this stress and we cannot let the rest of it take anything else from us i mean everybody's given so much this year already and whatever you're frustrated about if your family is healthy and safe in your home you're winning like you didn't have that one night like that is it's such perspective to like see what you went through and then you also think like woe is me like i i've said i catch myself i have a two-year-old i've i've had a two-year-old for 365 days in a pandemic. But then you think like, at least I have a family. Then you think about somebody that maybe like a widow or somebody that lost someone or someone that's single and had to quarantine alone. And you, everybody just feels like their situation is like the worst thing. Yeah. And you just have to, I don't know, like be cognizant of what everyone is dealing with. And there's always somebody that's dealing with more. And when you think about that, it just makes you grateful for what you do have. And if it's totally. health and your family's health and they're safe in your home and you know where they are, you're winning. You are. It's, it's hard to remember. I, some of the some of the most empathetic people in my life are are pretty tapped right now. You know, I've like yeah. never seen that before. People who I thought had just bottomless wells of empathy. Um, and so, you know, again, it just comes back to self-forgiveness. If this is creating that kind of stress for everyone, you know, it's okay that we're a little self-absorbed at the moment, but it's yeah. also important that we're aware of it, you know? Um, and it is what it is. I, we're not at our best right now, but we will come out better. I really do believe that. We'll come out, if, we've gotta come out with a lesson. Well, it'll make us just re like appreciate what life was before that, like going out to dinner, like just being able to do all the, like flying on vacation somewhere, like going to school, which I, my kids just went last week. Like I, for that whole time, I was just like, I didn't appreciate when they just went to school, like being able to go to school, being able to meet a friend out. When we I go back to regular life, we're going to appreciate what we had this whole time, but it took a pandemic to really realize like we have it pretty good. We do. We do. So, and, and maybe still you and I having, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Us having this conversation and mom saying it out loud, like, this is hard. 
I'm struggling too, just makes you feel like seen and makes you feel like you're not alone. And um, I don't know, I, I just, you are, I needed you to come on and just tell your story. You're so inspiring. Did I see that there's another book in the works? Yeah. Yeah. So I did the thing for the first few months of the pandemic where I was like, obviously, I have all this time on my hands. <laughs> first, it was not true. Um, I better get this second book done by the summer. That, so ridiculous. No, because I was managing distance learning at that point, And I was also teaching. But, and two children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I let it go. I let it go. I was like, I had this idea for a while, but it wasn't fully formed. And then one day it just dropped. And I was like, oh, that's what this is. And so it's so much fun to write. It's so different than writing a memoir because it, I, you can just play, you know, I, yeah. with the memoir, it was like, this has to be so authentic. It has to be so true. I want to make sure every detail, you know, is honest and accurate. Now I'm like, I can just make people up. And I mean, it's, it's so, it's no one's fact checking you. Yeah, And it's just for me, you know? So it's, it's just that one part of life, you know, and I know a lot of parents feel this way. You just need your own thing, you know? And, and so writing is that for me. And I'm really grateful yes. to have a family who um, honors that and, and helps me make space for it. It's your outlet. And it is like, I, I always said, I just want to be a mom. I'm a stay at home mom. And that's what my mom did. I get almost like an adrenaline, like adrenaline rush, just putting a blog post out or putting an episode out. Like, I feel like I'm contributing to the world more than the, it, not that stay at home moms are not contributing to the world. I got, I started feeling like itchy. Like I needed to put something out there creatively. Yeah. I was going to say and the creator. Yeah. It, yes. And even like, I had a um, hypnotist, it hasn't even aired yet, but I had her on last week and she was saying, do you ever feel like, like you'll get this, like I'll set aside time to write because I am working, or I'm actually working on like a second edition of my first book, which is a whole yeah. story because I've learned so much since putting out the first one. But it's like, my husband would be like, I'll take them from one to three so you can write. And I said, like, great, but nothing's happening from one to three. And I'm just like, I don't, how much did you write? Nothing, like nothing is happening. But 1 a.m. to 3 a.m., it's like, brr. And I talked to her about that. And she's like, your subconscious mind, when you finally just go, like if you got hypnotized, you're, it just puts you in a place where your mind is open. And she's like, that's why everybody's like, sleep on it. In the morning, you like know what to do. And she's like, you should always have a pen and a paper, especially as a writer, because so many things come to you at night when your brain is just not taking in all the other like stimuli and it just is in its natural state. And it, it, always like in the middle of the night, I, I will wake up with notes almost every day that just, I wake up and I, something comes to me, but during the day it's like writing time. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I this, my notes section of my phone is ridiculous. I hope there's yes. a million dollars of ideas in there, but um, yeah. <laughs> But I think one of the things that was hardest at the beginning for me at, at this pandemic is I just wanted to get quiet. And, and this is maybe what I hear other parents saying too, is like, I just wanted to get quiet and I wanted to hear my thoughts. I knew that there was creative work I wanted to do, but there yes. was no opportunity to just 
get quiet and listen. There was always somebody who needed something. Um, and I did have a lot of resentment at the beginning. I was just like, I just want, shut up, shut up, everybody. Listen to my brain, right? Um, yes, I'm so grateful to be with you and we're making more cakes than we ever have. But also, you know, I'm somebody who just needs a lot of alone time too. And 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 I think most creators are. So I think that's I know, but then you feel bad because you're like, you you wanted, my husband's like, all she wanted to be was a mom. And now it's like, you don't have time for anything. And I feel guilty. I still, I feel guilty that I'm doing this right now because I hear them. I know they're up and he's probably like, what are you doing? And right. it's hard to let go of that. But I, I didn't feel fulfilled without having this kind of outlet and having like your book is, it helped so many women and you, that's what you have to remember. It's like for the people that you're helping and you're, you're a great mom. It's just, you're balancing all the things. It's squats and margaritas. It's all just balance, <laughs> balancing everything. And like you said, giving yourself grace and trying to let go of the mom guilt um, for someone that is, I don't know, writing a book. <laughs> you already have your agent. How you're, you just wrote a blog and you were discovered. So yeah, you're, not a very usual story, by the way, like that is just not typically how it goes. <laughs> Okay. But so if somebody is if writing I and, and yeah. I get yeah. asked this question a lot. I think the okay. for me what was helpful, even you know, I was really lucky to connect quickly with somebody, but um it is so helpful to study a few books that you love that you kind of want to mimic the tone of, the style of, reach out to the people who help make that book. Um to the, yeah, the editor to the agents. Yeah. Um, because, you know, likely they are interested in that kind of thing. Um, so that can be a good way to go about it. Okay. Yeah. I, you t talked about everything that I want to talk about. I am so inspired by you. Love You Hard is on Amazon and probably in every bookstore. It's everywhere. Yeah. If anybody doesn't have it. Um, and if anybody wants to follow you, it's Abby underscore Maslin on Instagram. And then is our website. Yeah, com or loveyouhard.com. They'll take you to the same place. Thank you so much Thank for doing you this. For teaching me how to Instagram live. <laughs> of course. I got you on iMovie too. I love like when I, I don't know a lot of things. I know how to edit video and I know how to do you know how impressed live. I was this morning. I, you don't even understand. This is not this is not my strong suit. And I had no idea as a writer that this was the other side of writing was like trying to learn how to do this. I would have yeah. maybe rethought the book. Because I had to let people know that I had you. It's so easy. I movie so easy. I can t if I can do it, anyone can do it. Um, thank you. I really appreciate it. I'll let you know when this is going to air. Yeah. And yeah, this, my episodes are like 45 minutes. Perfect. Well, and I'm really excited to, um, to, to witness round two of your book and all of the newly incorporated knowledge. Lots of knowledge. I'm not healed, apparently. It's not a journey to finding balance. It's going to be squats and margaritas. The journey continues. Progress is not linear, as we have all discussed. No, exactly. <laughs> and hopefully, I if it came off like I figured it all out, here you go. Not at all. I am still on the journey. I clearly have not figured it all out, and we're going to be on the journey together. And here's what I put out first, and the second part is going to be, and here's everything I learned. Right. Once I put that out there and eating disorder critics decided to let me know um, that I'm actually, my language is actually not healed at all. But I didn't go to therapy or I, I never got treatment. So I just felt like if I wasn't doing the behaviors anymore, like I was bulimic, anorexic, I don't do anything like that anymore. It's been 14 years. I don't restrict my calories. I eat when I'm hungry. So it was like, 
I'm, I'm healed. Like, here's how I did it. And here's how you can do it too. And I had um, the CEO of Project Heal. It's this um, eating disorder foundation. They fund treatment for people that mm-hmm. want to get help, but can't, their insurance won't pay for it. So a portion of my merchandise goes to them. And like, if I do any kind of event, I donate money to them. So I was like, let's just come on and have an episode about the reality of eating yeah. disorders and like yeah. who's predisposed to it. And that's what it was going to be. And I kept, like, it was like this. And so I'd be like, yeah, and it was so crazy. Like I just started eating all the time and lifting heavier and I lost 20 pounds. And every time I said something like that, she was like, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, what is what? And she's just like, yeah. <laughs> Anybody goes, who writes a memoir of any kind is extremely brave. I think, you know, that from experience, like, the book that you write yesterday is not the book that you write today. Um, And also we're just also politically correct right now that it might be getting in the way of our own healing journeys. So yeah. And I was like, I was realizing that I was triggering people like my language. Like she's like, it all seems to be for the same thing of like maintaining your weight. And I was like, yes, but I don't do any of those behaviors anymore. But it's like my, my, my body is healed and I'm not, abusing my body at all anymore. I'm healthy, but mentally, if the premise of everything that I'm doing or the goal is to stay in like my mm-hmm. physical ideal, she's like, then you have a lot of work to do. And I was just like, oh. I'm not done. I'm not no. done. So, I know. I'm not perfect. Uh, okay. And so let's, let's just end on this inspiring idea. This is the idea that <laughs> keeps me going. Okay. I had no idea what neuroplasticity was before my husband's brain was uh, damaged. Neuroplasticity means that we are never done, but we can always keep growing. We can always create new circuitry in our brains. We can always break patterns and habits and and things that don't serve us. I have to remind myself of that all the time because I get to a place where I'm like, yeah, you're done. Nothing else to be learned here. And then it's like, oh, no, this is we're just meant to be humbled all day, every day. (laughs) That's what this is. And it's so great because that's how we grow. Loved talking to Abby. Such a great conversation. Abby, thank you for being my guest. Thank you for the perspective that we all needed. Go get her book, Love You Hard, on Amazon or any bookstore. And go to abbymaslin.com or loveyouhard.com for more from Abby. And thank you so much for listening. If you haven't subscribed to the Squats and Margaritas podcast, please, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas. Margaritas.